You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Mad Men After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Mad Men After Show. Hey there, Mad Men fans. Welcome to the AfterBuzz TV Mad Men After Show. This is Season 7, Episode 1, Time Zones. I'm Matt Lieberman. Joining me on the panel all season long, fantastic and talented Mr. Joe Braswell. Matt Lieberman, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's good to be on a panel with you again, it's man. good to see you again. Yes, and uh, the lovely Sterling Cates is joining Hello. us. Hello, nice to meet you guys. I'm yes. excited Sterling. to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you. A Sterling on this show oh. um, is very apropos. Yes. Uh, Joe Sanfilippo, unfortunately, not joining us this week, but no. he will be back for next week. Um, I want to thank everybody who's joining us this season, who's never listened to the show. For those of you, hello. Uh, for those of you who were here last season, I just want to clear something up. Uh, during our finale, we we had teased all season long that we were going to have a bunch of wonderful guests, and uh, they, unfortunately, several of them dropped out before our finale. It was a big bummer for everyone involved, especially the audience, and I just I don't want anyone to feel hoodwinked. Um, these things happen all the time, and unfortunately, this was the time that it happened to us. I hope that we haven't lost any of your trust and that we can provide you with the best possible Mad Men podcast going forward and that you'll be thoroughly, thoroughly satisfied all the way through the finale next year. Uh, but with that well out said. of the way. Yeah. Well, with that out of the way, let's talk about this episode, gang. It was yeah. really, really great to get back into the world of Mad Men. We're, we're taking place around January 20th, 1969. That was the date of Nixon's inauguration. As we briefly saw on television, Jim Cutler was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's kind of in a weird spot after the end of season six. How are we feeling? Uh, we're feeling great. I think that was a great way to sort of get into where we are time-wise chronologically was having that Nixon inauguration and specifically that that passage of that inauguration speech, which was, you know, we found ourselves rich in goods, ragged in spirit, uh, you know, reaching magnificent precision of the moon, then falling in a raucous discord on the earth. It felt like, you know, that was sort of where Don is right at that moment. So not right. only is it perfect in telling us what where, where we are chronologically, but also sort of where maybe Don is in that in that moment. That's that's, that's what I thought. I, th- I think I think it was great. But it was great. It's great to be back. It's great to feel mm-hmm. like after you know a year of all these other shows you watch and you know all these other shows we cover and we love to get right back into the very specific uh, groove and and tone of Mad Men is very very comforting, like yeah. an old coat. I. I didn't, I didn't really know where it was going to go starting off with season, season seven, because at the end of season six, I was expecting Don to kind of face his problems head on. Right. And then I just felt like nothing had, no problems had been solved when we started season seven. So yeah. I'm interested to see how that plays out. Well, sure. it's very much like Don. We've seen him come close to actively grappling with his with his uh, existential issues and with his marital issues, you know, back in season four when he was with Faye, you know, who was an active partner, who was someone who was competing with him on the same level intellectually, who was calling him on things. Uh, it was the yep. first time that he, you know, so very uh, early on into a relationship revealed parts of his past. And then, you know, he saw something easier in in Megan and he ran away from it and I'm starting to wonder how far away he ran from the moment he showed his kids where he grew up 
because I was expecting more of that. I was wondering what kind of personal journey could he be on. But instead, much like the quote that you're talking about with Nixon, he's tasted the highs and yep. now he's tasting the lows. And he doesn't want to have to deal with these difficult emotional issues while on this very low rung of this ladder. He's also a bit displaced. I mean, we always talked about talked about a little bit about Matt, how last season, how Don Draper of the early 60s, the dapper Don Draper of the early 60s seems a little out, play, out of place in the late 60s mm-hmm. in this counterculture you know, spot. But literally, we see him displaced because he really is not quite at home in the East Coast in New York with no with no job really, and and, and really alone in his apartment with the door that won't close, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. maybe metaphor there. And he's certainly not at at home in L.A. with the coyotes and the hills and the whatever else is going on. And there. what he was wearing, his and what outfits he was wearing outfits like you know compared like, to Pete, he looked real out of place. Oh yeah, <laughs> Pete was right at home. Oh my god, <laughs> Pete's entrance was just absolutely stellar. And their, their hug was so funny to me. I yeah. laughed out loud. It's like we're, we're hugging now. Is that what is that, is that what we do? Those L.A. changes everybody. And, and I, I love this show's particular take on L.A. satire, yeah. uh, sending it up, and, and how, in contrast to New York, we are kind of ridiculous. I, I love that. It's very, very Annie Hall with that, you know, that whole sort of, every, every, every you know, coming to coming to New York from L.A. I love the whole New Yorker's idea of, of Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's always a funny thing. But I'm a native, native Los Angelino, so I don't really love it. But it's always a funny thing to see on screen in a film, like mm-hmm. what New Yorkers think of us here and it's always well i had the same prejudices when i moved out here and now i'm the worst i'm the most la and i'm i I apologize for it i don't apologize but i should apologize um another person kind of orbiting around uh don here is freddie rumson Mm -hmm. and this episode opens with uh, uh a line that people are probably going to pick apart to death where Freddie's basically saying, um, "Are you, are you, you know, are you listening? You better pay attention." Yeah. Um, and he does this incredible pitch, the best pitch Freddie Rumson oh. has ever pitched in his entire exactly. life. Exactly. I should have known that. That moment, like Freddie, Freddie's a goddamn genius. I know. Like, when did he get so smart? I was watching it, and I had just pl- pl- started starting mm-hmm. it, and I was like eating popcorn, and I was like, "Are you listening?" And I was like. Who is that? Is that Freddie? Yeah. <laughs> I was so is confused that, for a second. Is that Mrs. Pants Freddie? Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. So, you know, it, we, get, we get this great uh, monologue from uh, from Joel Murray, and and Peggy's like, that's, that's amazing. But, of course, she puts her own spin on it. But what we come to discover is that, of course... Freddie could never have done that by himself and that the the job that Don keeps alluding to over the course of this episode is actually funneling his creative through Freddie and splitting right. the commission. Very much so. Yes. Yeah. Um, which the is Cyrano de Bergerac, if you will. Right. And, you know, on <laughs> a part of it makes you feel like, oh, okay, big swinging dick Don. He's not going down without a fight. He's going to bring his ideas to the table even if he has to do it through Freddie. But honestly, it's just sad. Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't take it as that so much, although it could be that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of more, this is who this guy is. Like, yeah. he literally could not just sit in his apartment and not be giving these ideas or, or working in some capacity, even if it's going to be through Freddie. If Freddie said, I'm not going to give you any money i think don would do it anyway yeah. I, I, think, I think honestly it's one of the only things about his life that makes him feel good about himself he has so much that's going on right now that that's the one thing he's being successful at and mm. i think that's why he wants to continue it yeah that was my take on it. i loved yeah. that i love that and what i also loved is we get this scene and i know fans i'm, I'm bouncing around don's storyline but we're sticking to him for the moment 
Um, what I loved in that scene on the plane on the ride home, he meets this woman played, I think, by Nev Campbell. Exactly. Yes. Oh, yes. Nev Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Bringing um, back, our, bring back our Fox uh, our teenage series. We had uh, Linda Carlini last season mm-hmm. uh, from Freaks and Geeks. And yeah, now we and now we've got Party, ne- of, Party of Five, Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. <laughs> and we had Alexis Bledel the year before from That's Gilmore right. Girls. Rory? Yeah, we're just mining the 90s on this show. We need Dawson's Creek. We need... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We don't. I, we could get a Katie <laughs> Holmes. Joey. We could get a Vanderbeek. We, we could go. get a, a Joshua Jackson. <laughs> but uh, in any case, um, you know, he he does his his Don Draper thing. He can't help himself. He's flirting a little bit. He's sensing a connection. But he not only when she offers uh, to sleep with him. He turns her down, which ordinarily, that's a huge Don Draper trigger. That's how he, he copes with stress is he, you know, he funnels his energy into these women, into, into empty pleasure. He turns her down. How do we feel about that? I feel pretty great. I'm proud of him. Yeah. But he made a move on her first when he kind of went to touch her face and then she mm-hmm. said she was going to close her eyes. And then when she started talking about her husband a little bit, I think he saw pieces of him in her husband's story when she was saying that he was an alcoholic. That was what I got from the whole thirst thing. I, well, he, yes. he died of thirst. Okay, I was just making sure. He was but, an alcoholic but then and after his body that, was too ruined. Right. And after that story, I think maybe he had to get back to work, which he kept saying, saying to everyone right. as an excuse for it's, I don't know. I was proud of him. I mean, <laughs> uh, don't you put me in a position that would be a – bad guy here but come on joe I, you know I'm, i was proud of him that like i think that part of what we we talked we touched on this last season i think that part of what we love about don draper is to love we love to watch draper be draper mm-hmm. uh to you know to seduce and bed and 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 be debaucherous in all these ways although he's a very despicable human being mm-hmm. you know we, as we know but um, I don't know. I don't know how to root for this guy anymore. Man, I love Don Draper. I don't know if I should be rooting for Don to be Don again. Come on, Don, be all swinging dick, yeah. Don. Or should I root for Don to like, you know, I don't know, Don. This is great. You, you know, you should get together and be a family man and do your thing. I just want him to embrace his inner Dick Whitman, and that's what I felt like <laughs> okay. he was doing in the finale last season. Right. And you know, even though we're not seeing him with his kids continuing to explore his past sure. and and open that up. This is a step in the right direction. Certainly. He's not going for the easy the easy way to deal with his stress. He's not, you know, going to make a mistake. He's this work that he's doing with Freddie is honestly the life preserver that's keeping him afloat. It's all he's got left. Well, this is back to what I was saying about I think that he'd do it for free. I mean, I think that what's more important than betting a Nev Campbell mm-hmm. or running around or even being in L.A. wearing you know sweaters around your waist like like Pete I, or around your around, around your, your neck around your neck like like and Pete. His plaid pants, and yeah. his plaid pants is <laughs> is the work is being creatively fulfilled, and mm-hmm. that's what he's doing, and that's what he seems like he's at. And and you're starting to see parallels with that, of course, with Peggy, which we'll get to later, mm-hmm. who, who's who's clearly not creatively fulfilled and wants that same thing. And that sort of talks about the purity of who Peggy and Don are as these perfect sort of creative ad people. Agreed. And and, and I know that this is kind of taking something from out there, but um, uh, have you ever read the book Man's Search for Meaning? Man's Search for Meaning? It's uh, Viktor Frankl. He was was in a concentration camp and he's the father of logotherapy. Uh, which is very much about finding a purpose for our existence. That's why we we exist. We exist to find meaning and then to fulfill it. And the one thing that has been r- truly fulfilling, even as it's frustrating for both Don and Peggy, is their work. So I think, it, at the very least, him realizing this 
and putting all of his energy into that, you know, as much energy as he can into his marriage, but frankly he knows that there's not much there's not much left to be done. Sure. I don't know how much their marriage is going to recover. But that rather than sleeping with random people, he's focusing on the work, knowing that he has to get back into that, I think is so vitally important. And it, it speaks of a level of self-awareness that maybe he didn't have previously. I guess it would have, I, I agree. That's well said. I think, I, I, I think I'm having a hard time figuring out if I'm rooting for Don, the character, like Don Draper, the man mm-hmm. who I want to see do well and embraces inner Dick Whitman, or if I, the viewer, want to see Don Draper, the the lecherous, the cipher, the, the, the yeah, who, yeah. The, the the caricature who we've grown to love. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having this trouble as a viewer figuring out which Don I want to see. Yeah, I don't know. That's me. I think it kind of depends on how it comes out that Freddie is kind of like his his proxy. Way in. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like once that comes out, it's just how the reaction to that I think is going to determine whether Don comes back to. Well, agency or if he's doing his own thing? Or? They have this moment where, uh, you know, Freddie basically is like, you know, there's this job opening. You know, why don't you go after it yourself? Why do you even need me? Right. And he's like, I have a job. Well, they haven't called you. It's been two months. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. And, you know, is Don just deeply in denial about that, about uh, the fact that he may never get to go back to the agency he helped build? Well, there's, there's two, I think there's two things here. I think the, the thing is that there's something about Don that wants to believe that, like, this agency will, st- will remain on top and I will help, I will still, even from or that the shadows, thing, yeah. because I helped build this thing, This and, and my name is still on it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know. He's, right, it's not, though. Sterling oh, Cooper yeah, and partners. Right. Yeah, man. That's right. Well, he's Sterling still getting paid whether or not he's helping Freddie or not. That's true. So, that's very true. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just sort of feel like he there's some pride there that like I want to make sure that v- these guys stay on top until he starts his own agency, which he, which they may or may not. I don't know, but yeah. Well, there's definitely a, a lot going on. I want to talk about Don and Megan yeah. before we move on. I um, Can I just say that 1969 looks freaking amazing? I Megan know. <laughs> yes, Megan Draper in 1969. That's the whole series. Swish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, Everyone loved it. Uh, she's Great. Jessica Perret, still absolutely lovely. I mean, um, and her. Yeah, a lovely job. Uh, you know, like it's the little things as you see the the America of Mad Men, the America of the '60s change over the course of the series. Right. It's little things like you know when uh, he opens the door to her convertible to let her into the passenger side, and she says, "Oh, you know, I can't move the seat," and so she drives him. It's yeah. like it's a little thing that doesn't necessarily mean everything, anything, but it's it's a sign of the changing times. Yeah. That not only does Megan not expect to ride passenger, you know, she's not going to try and fix this, move this seat back so that he can get the experience of driving her car. Sure. You know, he's never around, so it's like it's a little thing. Very, and I do love that the entire intro to Los Angeles with that iconic, um, you know. Escalator into LAX, which is still there, which yeah. we've seen in, and you know, we get that uh, that that moving shot. It's kind of an it's an homage to Jackie Brown. It's, it, well, it's 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 been in multiple movies that, yes. that exact same shot because it's 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 a real thing. Like every time I go to LAX and it's still there, and I look over, I feel very much like I'm in every other movie I've seen. But uh, I, yeah, I do. There's something there's something that grounds it if you know exactly what that is. Even if you've never been to Los Angeles, you know that you're in LAX, sure. and then coming out and having that shot of I think it's actually. Exterior, I think it's Ontario Airport that they 
use, but but they use it all the time. Yeah, I think it's Ontario, but it looks like you know L.A. back then with some palm trees, and it's just it's I don't know. The whole thing was very very perfect. It felt very 1969. Mm-hmm. I love it. seeing Megan like that, just because most people like Betty. And Sylvia kind of became objects for Don and yeah. something he can control. But the fact that she's moved across the country, she's driving now. <laughs> she, he's mm-hmm. the, in the front seat to her. Yeah. So I just love seeing that. She's kind of independence. Yeah, and she's like moving on. So the fact that she was able to move across the country by herself yeah. and do that whole thing, I already think that that speaks to what how their relationship stands right now. Their marriage yeah. is in a very interesting gray area that mm-hmm. I think the best way to describe it, Don does it on the plane, uh, when he's talking with Nev Campbell and um, and she, he says, you know, she already knows that I'm a bad man. And she says, yeah. well, how long have you been married? Not long enough. Yeah. You know, uh, the fact is this marriage, the well has been poisoned. Sure. You know, it's not like they have an extremely long history to draw on and try to save it. They're now, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a marriage of convenience. They still sleep together. Um, but he has to ask for it. And barely. And she was not very thrilled about it. She was not happy. It was she, awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think they knew how to be with each other intimately. Yeah. And I think that was really awkward. My, my, for her, it seemed. Of course. <laughs> I was. I mean, it made me wonder, like, is, if she was, I don't want to say having an affair, but if she was, the way she, her reluctance initially made me think, like, oh, well, maybe there's someone else. But then I don't I thought, know. No, I think it's just she's, you know, she's out. I think she's out of this I think, marriage. I just don't think yeah. they, she feels close to him anymore. Yeah. And if they're married, then I don't know if. Well, it was hard to feel close to him even when they shared a space, even when they lived in an apartment together. Now that he's, you know, miles and miles away and she's alone in Los Angeles in this rented house making all these new friends, he's not a part of her life. And, you know, this this sex is almost like it feels almost like an expectation rather than something desired. It's also like really all all they really had that really, you know, that that Don could could ground Don to what the old relationship used to be Mm -hmm. because everything else is foreign and, you know, including him bringing the TV in and everything else is foreign in every in every respect. But what's so sad about it is the one thing that he knows that he can go to, it's so awkward. You know, this, 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 you know, super seducer, Don Draper, after ask, uh, you know, that way, she, what you, I forget, oh, uh, we were going to celebrate. Yeah, right? where were we going to yeah. celebrate? Like, that's his move? And she, and she said, she, <laughs> like, and she responded with, I didn't know if you wanted to. Well, I mean, and it, it's like, well, I mean, we should celebrate, right? I'm right. Take off my shirt. Yeah. Well, that's not sexy. It's, yeah. it's not. And, and, it felt really forced. Yeah. And, thing. and I really like the point that you're bringing up where she says, you know, I don't know if you wanted to. It's not necessarily a dig against him, but if he's going to stray outside the marriage, it's kind of, you're going to internalize that and feel that a, a knock against you. Like, I feel like, you know, my husband wouldn't necessarily need to have sex with me when he sees me because he's got all these other women. You know, what's the point? I I did not prepare for this. Yeah, and he's okay with living across the country from her. And he's Mm -hmm. okay. And and she said when he got the TV that you're not here long enough for us to fight about this. Yeah. So obviously, I don't think she's wanting to put a lot of the effort in. Mm -hmm. Right. And she's not going to let... And she shouldn't have to. You're absolutely right. He He has very little right to be making any big decisions without her to be buying things and putting them in her house without her, um, to have any say over the life that she's living. You know, unless she's going to completely bankrupt him, she's earned a vast amount of freedom and power. On her own. Totally. You know, I find myself actually, like, you know, stepping outside of 
the the intimacy of that relationship. I find myself really rooting for Megan, like as an individual, not so much rooting for you know Megan and Don as a couple, yeah. and not so much rooting for Don as an individual, but for Megan. You know, Megan, you know, she's made her way. She's worked very hard to get to this point, and mm-hmm. this is in her solo story. And I'd almost want to see a spinoff show about Megan in L.A. Yeah. doing her own thing, continuing because. It- I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for her. In her own way, she's kind of at the point that Peggy was a couple seasons ago when uh, she was finally coming into her own as a copywriter and she decided to leave SCDP. Right. You know, well, like, she's never wanted Dawn to define her mm-hmm. and her career. And I've always admired that about Megan. Absolutely. Even at the firm. And then she was like, well, I really want to be an actress. So. Yeah. And he was like, what? Mm-hmm. I respect her dedication to her dream. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And now she's so close. She's uh, She's got a callback for this pilot. You know, potentially she could be on TV all the time again. She She's still, I'm sure, furious at Dawn for costing her her job on the soap opera. Yeah. You know, uh, she was there for, you know, for a solid year. She was working. She was on television. Her career was happening. And he says, we're moving to the coast. Pack your things. Oh, sorry, honey, it's not happening anymore. And what, now I just have to live with it? I was really happy to see her still go forward with moving to California. Mm -hmm. She sacrificed so much um, with her show in New York and everything. So I think it was really good for me to see her still go and pursue her dreams acting. Yeah. I think there's also a larger picture about where, you know, now we'll talk about this later maybe, but like, you know, after seven seasons, where the where the women characters have come, we we first we saw them being sort of objectified and also mm-hmm. mistreated, and from Peggy on down. And now, you know, where where Peggy has gone, the art that Peggy's taken from where she started, the art that um, that Jones that taken. Jones taken from where she started. We we we'll yet to see what's going to happen with. Um, with uh, January Jones, but mm-hmm. you know, but and then we'll see even you know even Megan like from where she starts to where she is. It's, it's a weird shift as a power shift here. So oh yeah, quiet power shift to the women really just being upperly mobile and and and, and really taking control. It's of very things. exciting. And the yeah. women have so much. All of their work backs them up. So you really can't argue yeah. with how far they've gotten. A one hundred percent. And we're gonna get we're gonna get into way more of that in a bit. We're gonna talk about Joan. Uh, I want to just briefly bring up the scene with with Megan's agent before we moved on. Oh yeah, um, which was a lot of fun telephone mm-hmm. at the table uh, and it just speaks to the awkwardness and the showiness of what is left of their marriage right um, where they have to make the show of you know oh she gets this great news and he goes to congratulate her he doesn't kiss her on the mouth he kisses her on the forehead it was kind of, yeah. yeah it was like halfway between her cheek and her right. forehead <laughs> like, but it was like it was like a two, it was like a two step motion because he goes forward towards the lips then up yeah yes. uh, it was very awkward for all involved yeah um, it seemed like they had the agent fooled, though. He said, mm-hmm. you're my favorite couple. Yeah, and that kind of made me feel uncomfortable because I was like, you don't obviously well, don't I mean, know he's, <laughs> As he said, he's just there for one reason, greed. So even mm-hmm. if things are weird, he's just going to butter yeah. them up. Right. Um, it's hard, hard not to see when you see Don Draper with, with quote his madman idol good looks and mm-hmm. you know and, and obviously Megan's gorgeous. It's like oh well, look at you two, everything's right. fine. You know, yeah. yeah no, That's she's fair. starting to use him the same way that he has used her and used Betty in the past, where he needed you know a beautiful woman on his arm for appearances' sake. Yeah. She needs a handsome, stable executive husband. Get more more shifts. Here. You know, to show okay, this is a woman who does have it all and can be this you know vision that people can when they. See the see her on TV or in the movies, they can identify with this version of her, yeah. this vision of her. Okay, I want to talk really quickly about iTunes, and then we're going to move on. Much more Mad Men to come. 
Uh, folks, we, we love having you here on AfterBuzz TV. Uh, we here at AfterBuzz, we produce over 60 hours of incredible quality content every week. And it's all free, which is completely crazy. We must be mad. We must be uh, out, of our, out of our mind bonkers. But the fact is that's what's happening. And, you know, what is the best way that you can support us? Well, I'll tell you. We don't want any of your money. We only want a little bit of your time. Go to iTunes, rate and review the show. Rate and review the show. It only takes a second. It's completely harmless. And what it does for us, not only does it help us get your feedback so we know that we're doing this show the best way that we possibly can, that we're identifying and and, uh, connecting with you, but it also helps our bosses know that we're doing a great job. And it helps keep the lights on. Uh, and the doors open here at AfterBuzz TV. It's how uh, iTunes tracks their ratings. It's how this show can stay on top. We want to be the number one Mad Men podcast on the web. I don't think that that's an impossible goal. Um, so please get at it. Get to the iTunes. Rate and review the show. We love five-star ratings, but don't lie to yourself. Give what you feel. Uh, it's the best way to help us get guests and uh, you know make this show the best it can possibly be. So yes. thank you. What he said. All right. So. <laughs> Um, we were talking about uh, Peggy a little bit in reference to Freddie Rumson. Let's talk about where she is right now. At the end of last season, uh, she came so close to running away with Teddy Chaw, but then Aww. he he totally oh, backed Teddy. out at the last minute like yeah. a punk. Yeah, because he like has a punk family. <laughs> I'm not. I'm so not advocating for adultery. No, but uh, you know we're obviously uh, crushed for Peggy. Yeah, because she, she's still dealing with that. Really, it seems she's taking it really hard still. Yeah, and um, and also kind of struggling with that and her place at the new. Uh, agency with SCMP and her new boss and everything. She's just like really frustrated this entire episode. Yeah, but she's keeping it cool. I think you know for the oh, most part the and, until she like breaks <laughs> down at the end, which yeah. was really sad. Well, what's sad about this episode is she's realizing that uh, without Don as a conduit for her ideas, you know, who sparks to great creative versus functional creative. Right. Uh, that she's in a she's in a real bind here. She's up against a wall. This guy actively does not care for her work. He has made that clear to her. She's still trying to please him, but it's not going to happen. He yeah. just isn't a fan. And when you're in a situation like that, you're gonna feel completely helpless. Right. And I, and she's frustrated with the fact that he's he's cool with just you know staying static, and mm-hmm. she wants better work and better you know ads and that whole thing but he's just like why are you what did he say he was like why don't you just open the door instead of like trying to break through the ceiling right. or something yeah. that was he that's was basically be like the door's already open yeah. Yeah. why are you yeah. like, what is it you know yeah, yeah. that's got to be frustrating when she's trying to do so well and they're just she's kind of like stepping back down mm-hmm. the ladder i feel like well she's yeah. being she's being disrespectful which she didn't realize, I think, when she was working for Don, who was innately disrespectful, right. you know, and fostered that kind of environment where you can speak your mind openly, even if it might piss someone off. Exactly. Don may have been dis- dis- disrespectful, but at least he was listening and at least he, you know, was plussing her ideas and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it was a great working environment as opposed to now. Exactly. Because if he was impressed with something, he would let her know and he would jump on it. He wanted the best idea. He wanted it to come through him. But right. he but he still wanted the best idea to work out. This guy, Lou, he is very much about, you know, uh, I think dollar signs, 
the making it the easiest possible way. What does the client want? How can we get them out the door and keep their money? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's one of those people who was always a mid-level creative yep. who rose to the top just by being around long enough. Yeah. He's one of those guys who kind of failed upwards. The lower end of the yeah. mid-level creative because he's not. I mean, he's a, he's more of an administrator than he's a creative. I mean, exactly he's in a creative position, obviously, but he's not. You know, yeah, he's not that guy. Let's talk about this meeting that well, he. I do. I just want, I want to say one thing about yeah, back yeah. to Ted and, and Peggy. I think it's just the whole thing was so heartbreaking last season with you know and seeing how this ended up because Ted seemed so earnest and so like mm-hmm. you know taken by Peggy, which he was. I think it was genuine, you know. I think, but I think the, the thing about Peggy, why she fell for Ted, was a combination of the attention that she paid him and also it came through the prism of of her of him being impressed with her ideas and him being impressed with her as a creative. And right. I think that, that's well, she, what that's what she wanted. That's what she wanted from Don and that's what she's always wanted in a man. I, I think, think yeah, she felt very respected by him and yeah. that's obviously a yeah. an attraction. And respect is sexy. Yeah. yeah. You know, especially when you aren't being given very much. So I think that, that sort of pumped her up and I think now I guess what I'm the, the where I'm where I'm getting at is without trying to sound too sexist or too like I'm going one place, but I feel like this is what she's always wanted from Don. I feel like Don's always been the one for Peggy. I feel like that, you know, Ted's has been this is this facsimile of Don. He's come in, but he's, you know, giving her all the praise and giving her all the things that she always always wanted from Don and then he leaves her as well. And now you have uh you know your boy Lou, who who's there, and she's absolutely frustrated because there's another guy who's just not Don. I think she's feeling completely alone and empty. I don't know that it's necessarily necessarily framing them against Don. I think she's she's trying to figure out how do I. Ma- it's always been the same thing ever since yeah. she became a copywriter. How do I make my career you know more open? How do how can I be more successful? How can I do the best work? How can I be more respected? And, you know, versus these two guys who, you know, Don incredibly difficult but understands good creative. Ted, uh, you know, more of an idealist and just, you know, kind of a better, more uh, well-rounded morally a person. And he's, you know, he responds to good creative. This is a guy who has a job and he has a family and he's going to go home to that family when he's done with the job for the day. Right. He's not thinking about it in grand terms of winning a Clio. This is just the impression that I've gotten. I know I feel like I'm throwing no, around right. a lot no, of absolutes. I, but I just think that what, what this what – this, now that we're getting the seventh season and we're, we're searching for what this is all about, I think part of the story here is this is a creative you – know, it's, it, it's, it's, I think it is a creative and romantic love story mm-hmm. between you know Don and, and Peggy to a certain degree. I mean the romantic we have to be seeing. Right. But takes- definitely the creative love story from beginning to middle to end right now as we see. I think that like the two without each other, they're at their best – you know, at least creatively with when each other. Together. And yeah. so, and I think that's what we're seeing, especially those, those two scenes at the end there. We're seeing these two people who, without each other, are, you know, are, you know, they, they, they need to be together creatively and maybe romantically. I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe it's a little that too may, on the nose. That may be a little too far. It feels a little too on the nose, but I just, you know, that's what I want to believe. I've always liked the friendship and how close they were. Yeah. Um, if that leads to something romantic, I don't know. I have never uh, really thought of them romantically before. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm Other than just there. having a strong. Well, function. I mean, the, the last great time, point. The last time that they really <laughs> explored that side of it, you know, you look at you look at season four episodes like the suitcase, where yeah. she actively she actually actively brought it up. You know, like why didn't that ever happen with me? It was right after he'd slept with Allison, his secretary. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, you know, you are a very attractive woman. That's just not. It's just not what he was looking for with right. her. Right. Um, you know, until uh, 
1969. <laughs> Some part of me wants to see them as full partners in an agency together no. by the end of the series. We don't know and if by that's... by full partners, you mean... No. No. no I just say it's partners in business. It's a matter of respect, Braswell. I don't want to be the internet to kill me for saying um, that Peggy's only something with Don because clearly Peggy's capable of doing whatever she right. wants on her own. I'm just saying but she she's needs... at her creative best with Don. Yeah. That's true. I'm not saying she needs or Don she, to be the best. Let's say saying. this. She's at her creative best when there's someone recognizing how good her ideas are and are giving her the latitude to make them happen. Fair enough. Don yes. Draper. Um, so... <laughs> Let's talk about this meeting, the way that he yes, runs it. He's super, like, low-key, casual, <laughs> cavalier, throwing out lame jokes. Ugh. He's like a lame dad. Yeah. He, <laughs> is. he is. He's a super lame dad. Yeah. He's actually like the clients they would have, like, in the mid-60s. Like, some of the clients they would have that come in like, I don't get it. What is all this creative stuff? Like, yeah. that's the boss now. Like yeah. it's weird. It's weird that and Jim Cutler that loves him. Oh. The the Jim like I think it's just a quick line. Cutler was like, you know, he's doing a great job. Well, Cutler's all about the money. You know, exactly. We, we know that. You know, <laughs> Cutler's all about the money, and this guy is keeping the money where it's supposed to be right. in the SC and P pockets. Uh, but maybe not the best creative influence. Uh, we do have a scene between uh, Ted and Peggy in this episode. She comes in early. She asks Stan if he wants coffee. And there he is, just out of the blue, and she has to stay in the same room with him. And we can just feel her just flesh start to crawl. She's so furious just looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it seemed like he didn't, he acted like nothing had ever happened. And I felt, because I felt how, I felt Mm -hmm. so bad for Peggy in that moment. Yeah. And that the fact that he didn't even like apologize or ask, like, I don't know, he didn't seem very concerned with how. It's, with her. It's been it's been a couple of months. Right. It's been two months, so I'm sure that they've had this conversation and they've had it out. It, I I do think he was very much aware of it. He was cognizant of it. He got out of the room as yeah. soon as he can. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it was glowing behavior. Well, the room right. got colder and colder and colder yeah. like, to the point he had, he's had to get out of there mm-hmm. or freeze to death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a cold room. Do you think that uh, if the temptation, if, if, you know, California wasn't a thing and he was back in New York, that the temptation would rear its ugly head again? Oh, well, I mean. Or do you I, think it's over? I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I think that there was a very specific situation that was happening with Ted in that moment mm-hmm. and then meeting someone like Peggy and then versus what was happening at home. I think that he had that jarring moment last season with, 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 with the kids and the family where he's like, what am I doing? I have kids. I love my wife. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it was, it was just, I think it was, I don't know that he would, I mean, the temptation would be there because Peggy's, I think Peggy's wonderful, you know, and yeah. I, you know, and I, have a gigantic crush on her. Always, always have. But I think the temptation would be there. But I think he's done. I think it's. I think it's. He's okay. He's done. Yeah, I think still, it's done. I'm personally. I first of all, everyone wants Peggy to wind up with someone who or respects someone. her as any. If if sure. she that if she wants to wind up with someone, which I think she does on a level. Um, you know, that it be someone who does respect her, who treats her like an equal, who recognizes, you know, how, how wonderful and talented she is and gives her the freedom to pursue her career. That's what we all want. I'm still very curious about it. And it's been percolating in the background. Don't the, say Stan. Yes, I am going <laughs> to no, say Stan. I love Stan. Peggy Stan. I love Stan. I, 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 you know, we Pan all, Stan. all the way, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pan. Here's the thing. Look, he's he's messed up many times before, but he's loved her since the beginning. Sure. Since yeah. back when he was a jerk. Sure. So I'd like to think that at some point he may evolve enough that she considers him a worthwhile potential. Uh, anyway. Well, I don't think she's opposed to that. In season six, she kind of uh, 
entertained that idea for a second in for, his office or in her office. But, right. I mean, but I don't know. But it was just. I for like a that second. idea. I like Pan. Maybe right? a different name. We maybe come a different up with. name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rolson, maybe Rizzo and Olson. Yeah, I don't Steggy. know. I don't know. Steggy. Not definitely not Steggy. Steggy. All right, I kind of like Steggy. Okay. All right, we're gonna move on. Uh, we're gonna talk about Joan. Um, who's dealing with some client issues of her own. Kenny Cosgrove, man, yeah. in, his, in his increased age and lacking an, uh, an eyeball <laughs> sure. that works, the man has gotten pissed. Yeah, okay. he's, he's, he's a little uh, j- gr- gristled veteran of the uh, the business here. He's not taking any guff. No. He he is dealing with all these clients all on his own. He's the only, you know, major account executive left in New York because we have all these other branches now. Right. Uh, or two, sorry, in Detroit and L.A. And he's, he's feeling stretched thin. He wants a subordinate, someone who, it, when dealing with uh, all these clients, he can appear more important uh, even though it doesn't really change yeah. anything. He just he needs the for appearance's sake because these clients they want to feel like they're getting the best possible. I think, treatment. I think Detroit though last season really took a lot out of that. Oh, totally. And they're still they're well, still it took an of, eye out of him <laughs> and a leg temporarily. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's. Um, I feel like that, that that hardened him. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see him uh, transformed to, mm-hmm. to, to this guy we see now, which is tyrannical, which is makes the the eye patch all the more and more ironic. It right. Seems like he's a his step. <laughs> Perception's all off. Yeah, and... the peg leg and the... Uh... Oh, when he tossed that earring and completely oh, no. missed. <laughs> felt so bad Fantastic. for him. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Joan takes it up uh, upon herself uh, to try to fix this situation with Butler's shoes um, and to go in in Ken's stead for this meeting where uh, we have a, a guest star, Dan Bird, mm-hmm. of uh, Cougar Town and a- a- Aliens in America fame, yes. uh, who I love for his comedic work, uh, playing Wayne Barnes, who is uh, the new director of what was he? At well, the, marketing. He's a marketing. He was the head of marketing. The new head, head of marketing at, Butler. at yeah. Butler Footwear. Butler, but he's also you know he's a, he's a business school guy and he's very very smart. The four P's. Thinks mm-hmm. he's the smartest guy in the room, so he's very much like, what do we need an agency for? Exactly. <laughs> so that. he's going to cut the agency out completely and open his own internal advertising uh, section and uh, advertising department and. Joan asks him for just a few days before he he does anything. Right. And, of course, the man can't stick to his word. Um, But in the meantime, Joan seeks out a professor of business and in exchange for information about what what the agency does on Madison Avenue for this new study, uh, he gives her some information that uh, is vital to her keeping the client. I loved... Joan's storyline this week because yeah. it shows that no matter how much how much power she receives in the office, she's always hungry. She's she finally feels like she can go after the same things as the men in the office sure. uh, with very little trepidation. Like you talk about evolution, she felt like she had all the power that a woman could possibly have in an office environment in season one. When we meet mm-hmm. her, she's queen bee, but ultimately against all of these men, she has no power. Right. right, and then we've seen her fight and claw every step of the way to accrue the level of power and respect that she has, but now. She's acting like an account executive, and she's doing a good job. She is. She's also either, either struggling or trying to find her footing with her methods, her methodology. Like, you see, when she went to meet uh, the guy for dinner, there was a bit of, like, 
uh, I'm going to use my Joanness and flirtation, you know, mm-hmm. to, to sort of talk to him. He's like, yeah, my wife, I'm not interested in that. And then she says, okay, whatever. And then when she met with the uh, the agent guy, mm-hmm. and, he, and, he, and her, her reaction was like... Oh, the professor, yeah. The pro- I'm sorry, the professor. Yeah. Professor, her reaction was like, uh, you know, basically, don't come on to me. He's like, I'm not interested in you. There's a weird, you know, juxtaposition of, well, like, she's, her still trying to find her way through. It's definitely like her going through these growing pains of her position as, like, a secretary mm-hmm. and then her position as a partner. Yeah. So she... It's natural for her to think people are hitting on her all the time because they are. She's yeah. been doing so it for 16 that, years. Exactly. Right. And so when he, he made that, he said that, like, what can you do for me or whatever it was? Yeah. And she was like, well, I'm here. For, I'm not here for that. Right. And then he was like, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely her. Love it's that. a learning process for yeah. her to kind of. You know, take advantage of this power that she has now. Well, she certainly did think that would work on the marketing. Yeah, guy. Mm-hmm. you know, she's like, yeah. I got, I got this. I'll go in there. Well, it's certainly, it's got to be a huge surprise to someone who's been in this business as long as she has, and for let's say the first fourteen years of it, all anybody cared about from her was her looks. Mm-hmm. You know, culminating in in you know having to sleep with her and the other woman to to gain her partnership. And she's she's had an incredibly hard road. So to have these two guys be completely be complete gentlemen in that regard, and to treat her as a professional is an incredibly profound thing that we have to stop and admire. And I don't know. I I hope that it frees her up to do everything she's ever wanted to do. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, it happened. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you know that's going on by the end of it. Uh, she has, she's, this guy, Wayne, is asking her what to do to save his ass, and she lays down the law, you know, further securing the client, at least for now. She says, you know, there's no idea whether or not they're going to stick around forever, and Ken's like, everyone says that. Uh, every account executive I've ever had says that. That was basically the line, but referring to her like she's an account executive makes me think maybe she'll start getting some more accounts. I'd like to think yeah. so. You go, girl. Yes. Go yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> real quickly, because we're, we're running low on time, uh, we got to talk about Roger, who's living in a state of utter shambles. He's, <laughs> he's gone off One the reservation. One shambles is another man's... <laughs> Listen, you may enjoy the bed that can have any guest in it, okay. but uh, that opening shot where a man of his age, surrounded by strangers and mess on the floor, completely naked, and have to take a call from your daughter, I would say the man needs some help. I just think he's lost all control over his family life and over his personal life. Just seeing that that scene was like, wow, where? And he's still really not relevant in the company, Mm -hmm. and I just feel like he needs to find some footing. Well, you talk about man's search for meaning, right? This is a guy whose uh, sole importance was Lucky Strike, and then that was gone, and he had to try to recover, and he was able to bring some business back to the company. But this is a guy who was born rich and never had to try. Yeah, and not only that, like he's never never had to really try, never been told no, sort of really has gotten his way all the way through, so when he's had some adversity... There's nothing, you know, a, a man in a midlife crisis does better than try to fall back on, you know, his his manliness or his man. And now in, in, in L.A., this whole new playground in the, in the, in the midst of 60s, late 60s sexual counterculture, mm-hmm. he's able to have, you know, I mean, I saw five women. What what was happening there? There were five women, and maybe a couple a, men. And there was a guy. And the, a, I was like, I never thought yeah. I'd see him and, and just going to sleep, not even yeah. there for mm-hmm. anything else with the guy and a... Another woman in the bed. I just, that was like a turning point for yeah. me with Roger. I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very curious to see more of what his storyline holds and get more of an idea of how he lives his life on the daily. Uh, we do get that scene uh, with his daughter. Yep. 
um, where she forgives him for everything, yeah. and he can't just accept that. It's a huge thing, yeah. and I completely understand why it would be hard to accept her um, her forgiveness, because in order to accept it, he has to accept that he did wrong, real wrong. Yeah. And he doesn't want to admit to that. Right. He's no. not gonna, He's especially willing, to his daughter. Right. He's willing to admit to, you know... Uh, the blame part of it. You know, like, yeah, I did these things and it was very bad. I'm sorry. But not <laughs> like, Dad, I forgive you for really screwing with my life and with the people that you care about and that I care about. And I forgive you for that. He's not ready. No matter how far off the reservation he goes, it's going to take a journey inward to be able to to get that out. Um, there, there, I think there is a, a fall, a, a bottom that we will see um, somewhere, somewhere. You don't think season. that this is bottom? Well, I mean, I think that this is bottom, but I think we're going to see it. We're going to see his his recognition of, like, wow, I'm at the bottom. Yeah. And we'll see where that goes. Okay. Um, Anything else from the agency? Uh, I think we pretty much covered just about everything. in that room. Yeah. We saw saw the L.A. office. We saw Pete's office and everything. Yes. We saw saw Pete looking very happy and tan. Yeah. And even Pete, it shows how out of touch Don is because he said Pete looked like a hippie. Like a hippie. And he was definitely (laughs) not a hippie. And he was talking like a hippie. Just because he's wearing colors. Well, he said the good vibrations thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, It's time for us to go into predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. All right, folks, we got a uh, promo for next week full of smoke and mirrors, yeah, uh, as always. Uh, I don't think I even watched it, actually. I think I oh, really? Watch- I stopped watching the promos because, you know. Yeah. The you know, promos are, like, pretty, like, choppy. They, mm-hmm. they don't see, you don't see who the person's talking to. It's like a, a Japanese me. puzzle box. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, all misdirection. Exactly. Um, so what are we thinking? What do we think we're going to see this season now? There's season seven split into two. We got seven episodes this year, seven episodes next year. Yeah. Where do we think this first half is going to take us? I want to see a new agency formed with... Don, maybe Pete and Peggy, mm-hmm. and I want to see Roger like get his act together and maybe get back involved with Joan. Mm. Oh, and Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see him raise his. Child. I'd like to see yeah. him. Yeah, just get his act together. That like, seems like a way out. Not... That's a definitely good way out for Roger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping that's happening. Great. I I don't know. I'm I'm just really I'm afraid. I think that this there's always been this sort of like looming dread about this entire series, and I don't as much as I want it to happen. I don't think this is going to be a happy ending here. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a lot of like, you know, sort of the the calm before I think the 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 fall, the right. surprise fall at the Did end. Did anyone think that when he went outside, when the door oh, wouldn't close, and when that. he when he went out to the porch? Uh, did anyone think he was going to jump? I thought he did. Yeah. For a, a very first time. Opening credits. Going to. Yeah. Right? I'm, like, I'm like, well, <laughs> there goes Don. No, but I'm like, <laughs> how bold would that have been to yeah. start season seven that way? Right. I, I mean, uh, anyway, uh, we're running low on time. I personally, I'd love to see happy endings for everyone on the show, but this show tries to imitate life, and in life, there are very few happy endings. Yes. So we'll see what what happens. I'm very excited for Don't it. Don't stop believing fade to black. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Sterling, where can the people find you you can find me at sterling cates on twitter and instagram fantastic joe braswell i'm joe braswell you can find me at joe k braswell on twitter and instagram and um on a bunch of other shows here including 
Bates Motel, Hannibal, Blacklist, and the following. Okay, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman, if you should so choose. M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. Uh, new, other new spring shows coming up. I got Playing House on USA, and I have Orphan Black on BBC America starting yeah. next week. Very excited about that. You can find all of my videos for SourceFed, all my sketches, everything like that. You can find that on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Matthew D. Lieberman. I want to thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next week. Have a good night. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.